The Insurance Brokers Podcast is brought to you by Sarah Myerscoff of Boston Tullis. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerscoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Good afternoon, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me this morning on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. It's fabulous to have you here, and I look forward to hearing all about the exciting work at ScheMeServe. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for uh, thank you for uh, having me um, and on this sort of pseudo sunny sunny summer uh, summer yes. day. But uh, there we are. Let's hope that this is actually the start of summer, and uh, we're going to get some nice weather as we did last year. Indeed. So, uh, Sean, you've um, made quite an interesting leap in the last few years, haven't you, from broking background to consultant to um, CCO of a a SaaS platform. Do you want to talk us through that and how you got to be where you're at? Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, as you quite rightly said, I spent 30 years broking. Um, out of uh, 16 of those years, also uh, developed a, a property owner's MGA from my existing brokerage. Um, <clears throat> and uh, after after 16 years and uh, attaining a certain round number, um, I decided that was uh, that was enough of that. Thank you very much. Um, so went off and uh, was going to take a few months out to uh, to have a bit of a break. Uh, but others had other ideas, and I had various phone calls saying, "Can you help me with this?" and "Can you help me with this?" So. Went into a little bit of consultancy work, helping out a couple of MGAs and a couple of brokers. Um, and one of those consultees uh, happened to be ScheMeServe, uh, who I'd dealt with in my previous life as a broker and an MGA. So that's where it all started. And it was all downhill from there, really. So there we are. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little bit of background about ScheMeServe and, and what, what would be really helpful for me from non-technical perspective is... A SaaS platform is such a wide term that incorporates so many different service softwares, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you can you give us a bit, bit of background about what ScheMeServe is, what, what a SaaS platform is, and how you guys work with brokers? Yeah, certainly. So just to give you a brief potted history of ScheMeServe, we've been around for 20 years. Uh, the business was started uh, by our existing CEO, uh, Adam Bishop. Um ScheMeServe was born in the cloud before we had clouds. Um, uh, everybody knows about the cloud these days, but 20 years ago, it was uh, it was a, a, quite a novel thing. Um, we started as an ASP platform back then, um, but a SaaS platform technically is is a big computer in the in the sky. Um, going back to the days of old broking, where there's a big machine in the corner that used to whir and get very hot every every now and then. Um, so you had a server in your office, a SAP platform as a server in the cloud, quite simply, a computer in the cloud. Um, and most SaaS products are hosted on those uh, virtual servers in the cloud and uh, are normally paid on a subscription basis. So a bit like your Netflix and your Apple account, similar to that. That's exactly what ScheMeServe is, but we've been doing it quite a, quite a little while. So um, we like to think we, uh, we know what we're doing now. Did you guys start when we still had to do that, you know, the dial-up? 
Uh, Do you remember that? Oh, I, I couldn't possibly say so. My, uh, my. Uh... <laughs> Have I just given my age away? <laughs> Um, My kids would think I'd gone mad if yeah. I tried to explain what what dial-up is. Yes, indeed. No, we were uh, we weren't around during dial-up, or even the old uh, the old uh, the the old uh, the old handsets that you used to sort of put into a uh, into a receiving holder. That was that was many moons ago, Sarah. You don't even <laughs> you don't look a day over twenty five to even remember that sort of thing. So why thank you <laughs> so from 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 your perspective what what i'm quite interested in is your um obviously your commercial background in terms of running businesses running brokers running mgas um and using tech products like uh, scheme serve have um is quite interesting and the reason i find it interesting is because Everybody talks about uh, insure tech and everything being more uh, tech driven, algorithms, getting rid of friction from the process and all of these things. At the same time, there's an awful lot of um, uh, sort of conversation out there about uh, niche uh, uh, industries, um, schemes and and how important they are to uh, the market. Uh, we're in now and going into and what uh, ScheemServe kind of do is pull those two things together so what I'm interested in is your view on how that can help a broker or an MGA now given that you've been on both sides of the coin yeah and I think that's that's the beauty about me being here at ScheemServe I've been here nearly nearly a year now Um, and and being sitting on on one side of the fence um, as a broker and MGA one has certain pains I have to live through. Uh, you talk about capacity, looking for product, looking for niche ideas, for example, um, or niche areas of business. Um, and coupling that with some uh, economies of processing, um, also the compliance regime of having really accurate and up-to-date MI uh, for the insurer. So as a broker, I know I need to do that. Um, so we need, we need, we know that, we can no longer do that with a big ledger and a pen or a quill. Um, so we need we need software to do that for us to to uh, manage it effectively. Um, so in my previous life, I'd adopted ScheemServes uh, as a platform because I recognised the fact that it was it was both agile, it was in the cloud, so it could be accessed from anywhere, um, and it was specifically developed for MGAs and scheme owners um, outside of the normal. Uh, software houses because sometimes they can be very much um, you know you have to fit into a little box really that this is what you get and where scheme server is completely adaptable so when you're looking at different schemes different policy wordings different question sets uh, rating uh, and all of that sort of thing can be bespoke uh, into a in, into that platform um, so that's really where the agility comes from um, and as far as schemes are concerned and the rest of the market um, Joe Public, I think, is uh, is 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 now starting to be re-educated. I come I come from the days where uh, the red telephone appeared in 1985. Um, I know I don't look old enough. Um, and and even then, there was there was um, some cautious cautiousness about all oh, brokers are not going to survive. The big red telephones arrived, and all the direct writers arrived. And brokers have still survived, and I'm a great advocate of the independent broker. Schemes business, uh, an affinity type business, is is very important um, 
for a broker, especially if they've got a, a really great interest in the in the subject. Um, I'm a I'm a great petrol head, for example. I love classic cars, um, and we, we've got quite a few customers at Schemes that are in a similar niche where they have a, either a pastime or a hobby or an interest that they've then evolved into uh, creating a, a niche type of business, and then. You, you you incubate incubate that that business to an extent where it then grows to an extent where you can then start it to become a scheme. Um, and from a customer's point of view, um, having a scheme type contract means that there can be benefits in the policy wording outside of normal open market. The rating can be tweaked slightly. The broker can be more agile regarding referrals because the insurer has already given them some delegated authority to work in or parameters to work in. Um, so it's a benefit all round, really, because the insurer is saving on time and cost, uh, giving that authority to the MGA, and the customer is actually getting a better deal, both on, on rate and cover. But having an IT platform to do all that for you uh, and help you with the MI, help you with the compliance process, um, and help you with a quote and buy journey, obviously, as well, with a more modern day quote and buy journey that you know, a guy will want to buy either on, on his phone or on a laptop or a, iPad or whatever it may be in this day and age, um, having that agility to, to quote and buy and have a, a distribution, a slightly different distribution as a broker or an MGA, not just as a direct writer, but as, a, as an independent broker, is very valuable. Have you, is it, is um, your platform purely for schemes brokers or if you're a generalist, can it still support the quote and buy, you know, sort of on a more general nature? It, it can, it can indeed, yeah. So uh, our core, um, our core client base are MJs and scheme brokers because that, that's the reason Scheme Service was built in the first place. Um, we are, however, now supporting some insurers uh, with their products, so they're bringing their products onto the Scheme Service platform, um, and instead of giving delegated authority to a broker, because delegated authority comes with its own compliance and governance regime. Sometimes the opportunity for the insurer has to be of a size for it to be worthwhile doing all that, that investment in the, uh, uh, at, the, at the start. Um, so insurers are now adopting ScheMeServe as the delegated authority. ScheMeServe is so rule-based. Um, we can follow the, the, the underwriting guide that's provided to the letter. Um, so instead of giving delegated authority, ScheMeServe can be given to a broker to be used as the delegated authority, and that gives insurers a slightly, not only a slightly different distribution platform, but it also gives them very much agility. We could get a product to market very quickly. Um, so where we have a niche, for example, or we have a growing market, e-scooters, drones, that sort of thing that are very commonplace. Um, that could take between six and 12 months to get off the ground in normal circumstances. Um, at ScheMeServe, we could do that within eight weeks. So you can you can see the difference of being an agile platform and a very swift platform to be able to seek the need that's there at the time, rather than waiting twelve months and probably miss the opportunity. I think agility uh, is is critical, particularly uh, particularly now. Buying behaviours changing. Uh, agility is really important. And uh, a few podcasts ago, um, we termed the coin nimbility. <laughs> which I love and think I'm going to try and get into the English dictionary. Yes, I'm going to adopt um, that one. I've that one of the hashtags there, I think. Yeah, please good. do. <laughs> Hashtag nimbility. It can, it, let's make it work, Sean. Yeah, let's make it trend. <laughs> let's make it trend. 
<laughs> Let's do it. Um, so ScheMeServe started with 19 grand's worth of debt and two broken customers. Mm. How has it gone from then to now? And what sort of business decisions, business journey uh, has it been on? Because there's lots of people in business now that are kind of going, oh, my God, you know, bad times. So, so talk us through the journey because I think it's quite a good one. Yeah, indeed. So we, we did start from literally two customers and um, a, a few a few coppers in the bank. And, and we've grown organically from there. Um, we've developed a product that is um, pretty unique in the market, certainly unique at the time, um, uh, unique in the market to, to be able to fill a need for uh, MGAs and brokers to process the, that scheme business. Um, in the past, it's been very, it was very clunky and to try and get it into a into a um, uh, an open market uh, software platform that were available to the broker market at the time trying to break that trying to break that system was was very difficult and and quite expensive so um, so having an open platform that could be uh, changed and bespoke very easily um, uh, is obviously very attractive and that's where really our client base has grown from so so nimbility uh, and and sort of evolving the scheme serve business journey evolving sort of as need and, and technology has allowed is incredible um can you give us like a obviously redacted names of course but a, an example of of uh, maybe uh you mentioned the eight week turnaround and setting up a scheme that seems incredible how how does it work in practice so um as i mentioned before scheme serve um is a is a shell basically we have a rating engine a rules engine and a, and a question set, all of which are bespoke to the, to the customer. It's very intuitive. It's very drag and drop. Uh, it's even self-service. You don't even have to get us involved. We give you the platform and you can actually build your own schemes with that flexible. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, the eight week, uh, the eight, eight week scenario was actually a, a, an old colleague I knew from my broking days who realized I'd come into the, the IT uh, part of the part of the industry. Um, and he was launching a new product. Uh, and it was a seasonal product, not letting any names out of the bag, but it's a seasonal product that he had to be live by a certain stage to get in time for his renewals. Um, and uh, it was quite a complex build. It was a commercial combined build with a few um, a few complications. Um, and uh, he said, I need this. I need this. Like, this was 1st of February. He was talking to me. And I said, I need this live on the 1st of May. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I need this live on the 1st of May. We need this live in time for season on the 1st of May. I said, fine, we'll do it for you. Um, we literally got the uh, the underwriting, fortunately, the underwriting guide and the policy wording have all been negotiated with the carrier. Uh, we passed that over to one dedicated member of staff. It was built within six weeks, tested in 10 days, and live on the 1st of May. So uh, agility very much, uh, especially when we're talking about key timing, and I mentioned that before, we talk about key timing, and that could be either a seasonal product, um, which you get in all sorts of industries, especially in the in the boating uh, industry, for example. Um, busy time at the moment, but will not be quite enough in the winter. So, where you've got seasonal uh, changes, there uh, we can be very, very quick indeed. I think uh, uh, again, nimbility. See, it deserves a place in the uh, English dictionary. Um, so. Tech being the way tech or tech advancement being uh, at the speed it currently is, uh, 
what's next? Like what what iterations are you building? Uh, what sort of business development are you thinking? Are you playing around with things like blockchain and uh, all of those uh, topical words that, that, that were really big a few years ago? Sure, sure. So Scheme Service is constantly evolving. You know, Scheme Service is not the same it was 20 years ago. Uh, and that, that evolution is very much driven by our customer base, <clears throat> which in turn is driven, of course, by largely compliance, largely market conditions. Um, so that we have a huge pool of, of customers there that are telling us what they need to do. So we mean we need to make sure that ScheMeServe can do that for them and fulfil their regulatory and, and their MI requirements. So we're we're constantly adapting. Um, I mean, COVID is a case in point. Um, there are a lot of people, which is well published. There was a lot of people out there that were suffering really badly with their IT during COVID. Uh, remote working has never been a, an insurance thing. You know, we, we still wander around the city of London with big piles of paper. Um, Lord knows why, but we do. Um, so, uh, so throughout COVID, ScheMeServe has very much been business as usual. You know, as a business, we are a remote business, completely remote business. We don't have an ivory tower anywhere. Uh, we are completely remote. Um, and all our customers can access their platform either from their desktop, their laptop, or their iPad. Um, so... The, the future uh, of that very much is going to be, I think, more um, more about user experience, um, making that journey a lot swifter, uh, probably with the uh, help and addition of, of more big data, um, and maybe much more streamlined journeys using that data too. Um, uh, in fact, I, I envisaged a. Uh, I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and we envisaged maybe in ten years' time, privacy issues aside here, that you could be li literally looking at your iPhone. Your iPhone recognizes who you are, where you live, and what your property is, and you'll just look at your phone and you'll have a quote. It will be as it will be as scary as that, you know. Or it can be as scary as that now. I don't that think we're far off that now. Yeah. Indeed, it is a it's a scary concept. Um, but with facial recognition and artificial intelligence and uh, automation of, of that big data that's out there now, um, you could literally be, it could be an automated process. I, I, I was listening to a, um, an audio book uh, recently, uh, and it was, um, oh no, it wasn't an audio book, it was a podcast, and it was by, um, the podcast is called uh, something like How to Fail, and it's Elizabeth Day, and she was interviewing Mo Gaudat, the, the Google X uh, CBO. And Mo was saying that um, at the moment, AI is in its infancy. And bearing in mind, like, he, he's a, a software engineer working for Google X. So they're doing, you know, all of this big, big, crazy, futuristic stuff. And he was saying AI is in its infancy now, but it's everywhere. And it's learning from human behaviors. So it's learning from our online behaviors, it, you know, uh, social media, emails. It's, it's always learning. And by 2050, that AI will be in its um, sort of early adulthood, by which time it will be able to, um, to, 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 to function, you know, yeah. uh, almost as a, as a being, because it's not just learning mm. intellectual um, and process behaviors, it's learning emotional behaviors uh, and to, to, to read that, because we're not as complex as we think we are, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and I find that, 
both fascinating and terrifying. And the analogy he gives is by 2050, um, the AI's intelligence level will be so superior to ours um, in the same way that Einstein's intellect is to a fly, right? <laughs> and we're the fly. And he said, and when you get to that stage, why would you keep the fly? Well, that is the point. Yeah. So, I mean, it's food for thought and it's big data stuff. But I do, I do find it really interesting to listen to these kind of things. And I do think, you know, by um, the technology certainly exists whereby I look in my facial rec recognition phone and it knows all manner of things about me. I shop on Amazon to such an extent that they know what I want before I know what I want because yeah. they tell me what I want. Indeed. Yeah, it's so crazy times. Yeah, even even going into the retail industry, where you know even now AI is playing a part that you know you're you're facially recognised as you walk into the screen and you're served specific personalised adverts before you go through yeah. the store from your previous from your previous web browsing history. You know that that mm -hmm. that's happening now. So. What on earth is going to happen in the future, time will tell. It is so interesting. And I suppose being involved in the tech business, you'll kind of see some of that stuff coming firsthand. So I think it's really, um, really interesting. Yeah, very much so. So when we talk about big data, um, you know, there's property data out there on, on virtually every property in the country. So with the click of a mouse and a postcode, um, and your name and your date of birth, the quote can be driven very, very quickly and very efficiently. So that I think that's the way the, the market is certainly going. Mm. So what, here's, a, here's a, a good question for you to end on, given that you've seen many different sides of, of the market, MGA, broking, consultant, um, uh, tech, um, technology. If you were today an independent broker, given COVID, given um, the, the, you know, the various capacity issues and, and uh, uh, hardening market issues, given the massive amount of consolidator activity, uh, given technology, given the whole, you know, the whole, the whole shebang, what would your advice be to somebody in that position now? Uh, as a new broker coming into the industry or just broking in general? Uh, both. Yeah, okay. Um, insurance is a people business. It has been a people business for years, hundreds of years. Um, and it will continue to be so. Um, the technology will just help us with that journey. Um, I don't think you can, I think it depends on what part of the industry you're talking about. Um, but I think that commercial relationship will always be a, a face to face thing, whether that's, whether that's a virtual face to face thing or a physical one. I think during COVID people have, have found that now is commonplace. Um, so I certainly think initial meetings like this are quite, are quite accepted now. Um, and then when we go in to, to later on in actually actually going to physically meet somebody, let's hope we can do that very soon, um, with, uh, with going to actually physically meet somebody, um, that is that connection, I think. But we were never going to lose that in the insurance industry at all. Um, but for a new broker coming in, there's all sorts of opportunity. Uh, using the tech, um, using, new, um, using new ideas and new concepts of product. There's new things coming in all the time. Everybody's got a gadget. Why don't we have a, a, a policy for that? Um, and there are there are now sort of schemes and networks of you talk about capacity being hard to get. You know, our scheme serve network has launched fairly recently, uh, where we have seven willing providers of capacity that will help anybody with a new scheme or an existing one.
So we've, we've tried to future-proof our IT and also having the backing, backing of capacity to make sure that both new and existing customers continue, continue to be traded through this period. I think that's very sound advice, Sean, very sound advice indeed. And I'm really grateful for your time on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. So thank you. Okay. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.